And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. It is Thursday. It is August 26th. The Urban Lord 2021 college football games are just hours away from us now. A full slate is a week away from us now. We made it. They said we couldn't do it, but they were wrong. They doubted us. We persevered. We overcame. We never said the word off season, and we have made it. So now this is our reward for the next four or five months drinking in. I was thinking about this when I was driving in here tonight, which which reminds me, it is currently 11.49 p.m. I'm in the office all by myself. Even the janitorial staff has left. Great people, by the way. I have some of the best conversations I have all day with anyone with the janitorial staff that comes in here. I don't think anyone else who works here knows them, mainly because they're not psychopaths who stay at the office 24-7. There you go. Free plug for the company there. But I find it's peaceful around here. All we have is the hum of the fridge in the kitchen and the janitorial staff comes in, chatted up with them for a few minutes, and otherwise, it's silence. This is when I get my best work done. But anyway, so I'm in the office where I originally was at 7 a.m. this morning, so I was driving back in tonight. Had to go to the gym, of course. I'm not a savage. And I was driving back in, and I was thinking about one of the many things that makes college football special is it's a uniter. You know, it's something that brings people with different backgrounds and belief systems and whatnot together. And if you really think about it lately, past year, past two years, the things that we've been in together have been terrible things, you know, pandemic and whatnot. And so it's very, very nice that something comes along that brings you together that you actually get joy out of. I don't think that should be overlooked. I mean, we always look forward to college football season. You and I do at least anyway. But for folks who may be casual, or I'll tell you another thing, For folks who may have once watched college football, buddies you know, uh, friends you have, cousins of yours, relatives, and they kind of walked away from the game, you know, they, they watch it every now and then, but they're not hardcore. This is the time to bring them back. I mean, bring them fully back. Like, have some Temple and Rutgers injected into their veins in week one on a Thursday night next week and tell them if they need a podcast to go to to escape quite literally All the other garbage out there that they would love to avoid anyway, whether they know it or not, this is the one. I think that is one of the reasons, to be brutally honest with you, that our numbers have grown so quickly. It's because we filter out a lot of the stuff that none of you want inside your sports coverage, in this case, college football. This is the place for them. But this is the sport, whether they listen to this show or not. This is the sport. When's the last time you brought someone to college football and they looked around and said, nah, don't really care for this? Everybody loves it when they experience it. How could you not? What kind of crazy person would experience all of the tradition and pageantry and everything that we love about the game and not like it? You just got to bring folks in the door. So I'm happy to make this podcast and the Late Kick brand. I'm happy to make it your welcoming committee. We'll do the work on the talking end. The players will do the work on the field. The coaches will do the work on the field. The bands, the crowd, they'll do the work on Saturdays. We'll take care of it and supplement it during the week. Bring them in, though. Bring them in. You got a miserable buddy at the office. Tell him, you need some college football in your life, man. You want to know why I seem so chipper on Tuesday morning when we go into this financial reports meeting? Well, number one, I've got perspective in life. I'm living for something more than just this life to begin with. But number two, there's a light at the end of my tunnel, and it's called Saturday. And I'm going to wake up at 7.30 a.m., and I'm going to have that unmistakable jolt of energy that a human being only feels when they wake up on a Saturday morning in the fall, and they know you are four hours away from wall-to-wall college football up until the Hawaii game ends at 2 a.m., and you've got an uncomfortable amount of money riding on kids whose names you have never heard before and will never hear from again. I think that's beautiful. We all think it's beautiful. So, yeah, bring them in. So we got a loaded mailbag. If you are unfamiliar 
with the brand. Uh, what you just experienced is not abnormal. That's pretty much the kind of tangent I go on every week to start the show. It is all mailbag on Tuesday and Thursday. And it has also occurred to me, I kind of re- need to relay our entire format out because we have a lot of, I mean, a lot of new folks to the brand. But on the podcast side, here's what you get every week. You get the replays of Late Kick Live, which airs Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night, 8 Eastern, 7 Central Live, if you want to watch the live version, on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. So that gets put into this podcast feed on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. But obviously, that leaves a gap on Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday and Thursday mornings, you get exactly what you're about to hear for the next, I don't know how many minutes we'll go. It's mailbag. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. Yeah, that's my personal email. I open it up for you guys, and it's flooded right now. I'm trying to work my way through them. You can submit a question that way. Uh, Also, I highly encourage you to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at LateKickJosh. Now, I know I've been telling you that. Uh, we got a big announcement coming tomorrow morning. Big one. Pate State mascot, Pate State logos, Pate State everything. We got it. You helped me. We have arrived at the finish line. It is time to unveil this finally. When I got the finished product, which I have now. I'm actually looking at it on a computer screen as we record. You're going to have to use theater of the imagination. I cannot help but have an ear-to-ear smile. This one came from you, and then I took it to one of you, because I have a lot of you that helped me out in graphics and whatnot, and I said, here's the vision. We need a logo, and we need a secondary logo. We want Pate State University and the mascot and the logos and the helmets and all that looking like an actual university. And boy, within 48 hours, you came through. You guys gave me the name first off. The best submission when we had the contest several months ago became the mascot name. I haven't revealed it yet, but now we got it. I took it to you. You designed it, so we've got everything. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. There will not be a single one of you that looks at this and says, ah, that didn't really work out the way I wanted it to. You will love this. And then what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to take this logo and secondary logo, everything that we release tomorrow morning, tomorrow being Friday, by the way, And, well, you can use your imagination as to what all we can do with that. So I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, like I was saying, if you're new to the whole Late Kick brand, that's what this is. It's a college football community. It used to be small. Now it's very big. Uh, It is on its way to being even bigger. It will never lose that feel. That I can promise you or else I'll quit. It'll never lose that feel. Authenticity and staying true to the values will always, always carry the day around here. But anyway... I leave all the DMs open, I leave the email open, and it's wall-to-wall mailbag, and we fill the Tuesday and Thursday show with, well, whatever you want to talk about. So let me give you an example. Here's how it works. Uh, This morning, let's kick it off with Shane Beamer's Burner. That's the uh, Twitter handle. And he says, I'm a new listener. I love the show. First off, welcome aboard. Secondly, he says, can you give me a quick rundown on what exactly the Ramen Noodle Express is? Yes, I can. That's another good question. A lot of you are new and don't have any idea what that means. You think I'm talking about soup? And I kind of am. So back in the day, I used to do sports talk radio down in Columbus, Georgia, WIOL 95.7 ESPN, The Zone. And we would do betting picks. Now, everyone does betting picks. But we had a guy call in one day, and he was in a bad place. And he was telling us, I think it was the Monday night game. He needed a pick for the Monday night game, or else, according to him, his kids were going to have to survive on ramen noodles until the next paycheck came in. So what did we do? Did we counsel him? Did we offer him help? Did we send him to Gamblers Anonymous? Of course not. We told him Chiefs plus six and a half, and it ended up cashing. Now, that was very irresponsible. But I say that to tell you, I ended up taking that idea, and it stuck with me. And so down the road, 
I, as you know by now, or if you're new, maybe you don't, I teamed with a data scientist well back in the day, back in Columbus, and we perfected our own proprietary everything. We built our own model from the ground up. Everything about it we own. We have never publicized it, uh, probably never will. I mean, you know, unless Google comes along and wants to pay $5 trillion for it, maybe six, probably not five, maybe six trillion. But anyway, we built that. Well, when we built it and we calibrated it, now we're very comfortable with it. it. I started giving out picks on the shows that I was doing. Well, as you can tell, I'm all about branding, so I want a name on everything. And so I thought about that guy. And I thought about the quickest way to get his kids off that ramen noodle diet was probably for him to bet those picks. And so I started calling the group of picks that I would give out every week the Ramen Noodle Express because I love trains. So I try and work train metaphors in anywhere I can. I mean, college football and the railroad, that is really what holds this country together, if you think about it. That's probably a t-shirt idea in and of itself. But I called it the Ramen Noodle Express one night just off the top of my head. And like most of my good ideas, it happened by accident. And so it stuck. And that's what we call our weekly betting picks, the Ramen Noodle Express. I do not do a gambling show. And let me make this very clear, because I know some of you do not bet. Some of you are smart enough not to. Some of you are morally opposed to it. I never have a problem with that. Uh, but what I try and do is I try and format our show where we talk about gambling and odds making, rather, I guess is the better way to put it, in a way that fascinates everyone. Because I know there are a lot of people out there who do not bet a penny per year who are really fascinated by why Ohio State is only favored by 13 and a half against Minnesota in week one. That's the kind of thing that we talk about. But I do know that many more of you do bet and so we do hand out picks per week. Now, here's the added bonus, and I haven't really decided yet. I'll take your feedback on this. In fact, really, I will decide based on what you guys tell me you want. I want to take advantage of Instagram Live, and I want to do something that is a little more gambling-centric, but I don't want to dedicate entire episodes of Late Kick Live to it, and I don't want to dedicate entire podcasts to it. But I do know there are a lot of you out there who want this. And I do know I have access to an entire model that is spitting out a score generation and a cover probability on every single game on the slate. And I only talk about a fraction of them on the show. So here's what I'm thinking. Instagram Live. Haven't really messed with it yet, but I'm thinking I may. When I get into towns that I'm going to travel to for that Saturday's games, I'm normally flying during the day, so I'll be there that Friday night. And I'm thinking late at night, a lot of you go to high school football games. Maybe you're back home or maybe you're just out on Friday night. By the time you're back home, one of the last things that I could do before I hit the sack for that night is I could have an Instagram live session. Maybe it's 20 minutes. Maybe it's an hour. It's very, very informal. It's probably in some hotel room somewhere. And we just talk, you and I, about the next day's games. And we talk about lines and my thoughts on a game that I haven't spoken about that week. And it's very gambling-centric. Uh, we would talk a lot about maybe derivative bets. We would talk about game totals, half totals. We would talk about all kinds of different things. If I don't have an opinion, I'll tell you. If you do have an opinion, maybe you sway me to put an extra dime or two on a game that I previously have not even thought of. So I'm thinking about doing that. Let me know how you feel about it. If it's not something you're interested in, then I'll just move on and probably just get 45 minutes extra sleep the night before. Jeb, up next. Do teams that play in week zero have an advantage against a team who is playing for the first time in week one? So this is happening, I think, most notably with UCLA. UCLA plays Hawaii this Saturday, and LSU doesn't play anyone. LSU then will travel to UCLA for the week one game. So Jeb... 
this is one of those classic I'll take either side of the debate and win sort of deals because if it, if it were you on one side and I was on the other side, I could look at you and I could say, Jeb, listen, man, you could go play the week zero game all you want to. You're showing me your cards. Meanwhile, I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm number one. I'm checking the model runs because it looks like we could have some mischief down in the Gulf of Mexico early next week. So heads up for that. All right, that concludes the late kick weather report. I am watching you, and I'm watching you play, and you haven't watched me play, so I get an added scouting report on you that you don't get on me. Okay, so then, Jeb, what I can do is I can I can walk across the stage. Don't know what kind of shoes I'm wearing there, but I can walk across the stage. I can take your microphone. I can say, step aside for a second, Jeb. And then I can look across at where I used to stand, and I can say, okay, yeah, but if I'm UCLA, I get to straighten things out, and historically – you know, we've had trouble getting off the ground to a fast start, but we don't have to worry about that because we get one game under our belt. And also, you've got some new pieces of your own, don't you? Wouldn't you like to get your feet under you, Ed Orgeron? you got a couple of new coordinators. you got a new quarterback. you got all sorts of new pieces. How's that offensive line going to work out for you? Oh, you don't know? How about all those injured players that you've been trying to work back into the rotation? What, are they just going to take off 100 miles an hour like they've been shot out of a cannon in week one? They're just going to be full speed? I don't think so. So, see, I could win both sides of that debate. Here is the way that I come down on this, Jeb. It is my belief that there will come a time midway through the third quarter of UCLA versus LSU. And LSU is going to be driving, and the spread on this game is four. So let's just say for argument's sake it's competitive. So we're tied. It's 20-20, to and LSU's driving, and it's third and one on the UCLA 45-yard line, and they're looking to convert and keep the chains moving, or else they're going to punt it away in all likelihood. And we get to five. Four, three seconds to go on the play clock. Two, Johnson's got to snap it. One, is anyone thinking about whether or not you played last week? Okay, now they snap it. And now John Emery, halfback dive. Oh, it's going to be close. They're going to bring the chains out. Did he get the first down? At these moments, is anyone thinking about whether or not you played last week? Is anyone saying, well, you know, I think he probably gained that extra yard because LSU did not play last week and they knew what kind of front and they knew what kind of potential run blitz package UCLA was going to throw at him and they were ready for it and that's why he's going to pick up this first down. Uh, The answer is no. So in all likelihood, we will not talk about it. It's something that a lot of folks are going to talk about leading up to the game in lieu of actual football. I do not believe that regardless of how that game shakes out, In the post-game commentary from wall-to-wall, you'll hear many people saying, you know what determined the outcome here to me was that UCLA played a game and LSU didn't last week. So, Jeb, I don't make too big a deal of it. Moving right along this morning, let's go with Daniel's question next. Hey, here we go. He said, so the Pate State logo and everything, they're on their way. Now you just need a football team, and everyone wants to be a part of history. So if you could take any team's position groups – Whose current position groupings would you take to fill out your ultimate team? So I had to write this down, obviously. Let's see what I went with. Quarterback room. I think a lot of you would go Ohio State here. I actually went Oklahoma. Now, I will take Ohio State if Oklahoma's already off the board. Uh, But the reason I went Oklahoma is because I have two what I think are surefire studs. And I have one of them in Spencer Rattler, who is already proven at this point and is right at the forefront of the Heisman conversation this year. Uh, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams has been pushing hard in Oklahoma fall camp. Obviously, you got Spencer Rattler in the way, but I would feel more than confident. I think Oklahoma and their coaching staff would feel confident if today, you know, worse comes to worse and they knew they had to start Caleb Williams. 
That's not really a have to. That's a, okay, we're in position to. So I like their quarterback room. However, you cannot go wrong with Ohio State. I understand that. So let's not get in a fight where we don't need to. Speaking of the Buckeyes, offensive line, I'm taking Ohio State. Wide receiver room, I'm taking Ohio State. So therefore, we have atoned. So pipe down over there. Running back room, I went with Texas. Not just because I love B. John Robinson. I think Keelan Robinson, who is the Alabama transfer, is one of the more underrated players in the country this year. I don't know how much they're going to utilize him. I would expect to see him play a lot. Keelan Robinson is a guy I kept hearing about last year. Keelan Robinson was one of the only Alabama players who opted out of the season. Some of you may know that. What you don't know is I tracked him all year. He didn't go home back up to, I think, Maryland. He's from somewhere in the DMV area. He didn't go home. He went out to California and he trained the entire year. Uh, They had some family circumstances that forced him to opt out, but he trained all year. Keelan Robinson is a monster. Now, they're just too loaded at Alabama, and so he transferred out of there. I think he's going to be a factor at Texas. So I like that running back room, actually, at Texas. I'll take Bijan and Keelan Robinson, among others. Those aren't the only two guys in that room. How about defensive line? Give me Clemson. And if you want to argue Georgia, that's cool. We'll see them both in game one anyway. Linebacker, Bama, by a country mile. Defensive back, Bama. So I'll take Bama in the second and third levels of the defense. I think Alabama could have a good defensive line, too. I just don't think they have the proven commodities quite yet that the Clemsons of the world have, maybe even the Georgias of the world have. Ohio State's right there, too. So I know you hear a lot of these programs mentioned very often, but that's how they recruit. I mean, recruiting is the lifeblood of this sport. Moving on, let's go with Mark's question next. He said, since all the big boys this year do have some vulnerabilities, do you think this season has a chance to top 2007 when it comes to the chaos factor? Mark, this is not a good question. This is a great question, and it's so great that I have chosen to take it and make it an entire segment on Late Kick Live tonight. So check out the Thursday night show live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Oh, and by the way, just a favor I need to ask from you, two of them actually, since we're already inside the podcast now, I want you to do me a favor and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you're on Apple. I can't remember if they let you review it on any other platform. This stuff changes all the time. I know on Apple, we are getting close to 2,000. I'd love to get there. I think we got 25 or 30 just from the last show we did. So let's keep that train rolling. As I encourage you to do, temporarily steal five friends' phones and give us a five-star review. Return the phone. See, that's something that I've, I've been told some of you forget to do. you got to return the phone after you borrow it for the five-star review. The second thing I need you to do, this perplexes me. You know how rarely I use that word. But I am perplexed by the traffic we get on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, which is great. But then I go look inside the analytics, and it's wild what you can see on YouTube, by the way. The analytics tell me 71.3% of our viewers are not subscribed to the channel. So here's the key. It's all up to you. The key is keep this show free. The key is never have them put this thing behind a paywall. I don't even want that. And I'd be able to view it for free because I'm the host. You don't ever want this thing going behind paywalls. You don't ever want that. The best way to make sure that doesn't happen is to do what most of you listening already do. Like everything we do. Share everything we do. Make sure you're tagging me. I mean, that traction you guys give me on Twitter and Instagram is worth its weight in gold. It is so valuable in marketing. When you do nothing more than say, hey, I love this podcast, or you know, you guys say nicer things than that, and you tag me in it, that is worth its weight in gold. But along with that, even if you don't watch on YouTube, if you want to help the show, go to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and just click subscribe. It doesn't do anything. It's if, In case some of you are unfamiliar with the platform, 
It doesn't do anything. It doesn't send you spam mail. Uh, it doesn't cost something on your credit card after six months. It's nothing. You click it and then you forget it. Kind of like the Ronco grill. You set it and you forget it. Well, you click it and you forget it here. So that's it. That's all I'm asking for. That's the end. Uh, I'm going to do something here that I promised you I'd do the other night. I'm going to take a break. Sometimes I don't telegraph when the ad break's coming up and you guys get mad at me. So I'm telling you, ad break alert, we're about to go into one. On the other side of this ad break, we are going to do a couple of season previews, grand season previews. I decided to go a different route with these this year. I'll explain why in just a second. But we're going to do the ACC, we're going to do the Pac-12, and I'm going to do it in a way that I think will entertain every single one of you, even if you live in Helena, Montana, and you've never been in the conference footprint for either one of them. So we'll do that right after this. So normally in years past, when I've done conference previews or season previews for teams, I've called them grand season previews. I've probably done somewhere between 20 and 30 of them per season. And I would do them for a team. And I would do our standard template was three biggest questions, three areas of focus, the mood tracker for that team, best, worst, and most likely record scenario, and then my official prediction. And we got decent numbers on them. But what I've noticed is there's a term that's dirty in our industry. It's called oversaturation. And I'm looking around. Maybe I'm off base here. You can tell me if you think otherwise. But I'm looking around, and everybody's got it. And it, there's just so many of them out there. The college football media landscape is saturated with the same-looking predictions. Everybody's got a graphic of one through seven in the coastal division of the ACC and one through seven in the Atlantic. And that's all well and good. That's fine. That's what we all do this time of year. But I never like late kick looking average or looking normal. I never like it. So every so often, I just change everything up. We're about to do that with another aspect of the show, by the way. Uh, but that's not happening today. And so I'm looking around and I'm saying, you know, maybe we should invest our time in some other ideas, which we've been doing over the last couple of months. Some have already happened. Some will happen. So for the conference previews, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of doing a long-winded, here's what I think the record will be for every team, I'm going to hop around these conferences. I'm going to give you some thoughts. I'm going to give you some records. And I'll just talk about what I think you care about the most. The ACC is a hard conference to quote-unquote predict or break down in a way that is truly fascinating and captivates the imagination of the entire country because it is viewed, right or wrong, as a one-team conference. Now, the hope is there are some teams that are very, very much coming that are going to change that perception, but I think you understand it's a remains-to-be-seen for the rest of the country. If you're in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, you don't have time for hearing that. If you're in Miami, you don't have time for hearing that. But if you're in Fresno, California, you don't really care until they get it done on the field. So with Clemson, I'm obviously going to pick them to finish number one in the Atlantic. I ran it through our model. I'm looking at it right over here. I'm cutting my eyes at it right now. The best, worst, and most likely records per our model were 12-0, and 0, best case. 10-2 and 2 is the worst case for Clemson. And the most likely record is 11-1. and 1. And for the record, I like to group games you play into four different categories. Our model gives a toughness rating for every game you play. And it has a lot of factors that go into it. Not all games against Wake Forest would be equal. If Wake's got a bye and you're coming off six straight games, then it may be rated differently. Clemson has one game rated 10. It's a 1 to 10 scale. Clemson has one game rated 10. That's the toughest kind of game you can play. That's the opener against Georgia. They only have one game on their entire schedule rated 8 or 9. So the rest of the way, they play one of those games. They have five of them rated 6 to 7, and they have five games rated five or less. That's so inexcusable. As a conference, 
that is so inexcusable, especially in the ACC because there's talent over there. So that's not on Clemson. Uh, That's just something that has to be rectified by the rest of the conference. So I got Clemson winning that. I've got Clemson winning the conference. I'm very fascinated with NC State. I've got them finishing second in the Atlantic. I'm fascinated because the Vegas over-under win total here is six and a half, and our model says eight and four is the most likely. So I'm not going to bet it personally because I don't think there's a lot of value at this point in the win total market. But I would advise you if you wanted to make a move on NC State and you can find six and a half out there, I like that. I really do like that. I am fascinated by Boston College. I'm fascinated at the perception versus reality of that program. Got them finishing third in the Atlantic over there. Do wholeheartedly believe this is one that could surprise. Uh, This is one that could pop on the national radar. What you think of when you think Boston College versus what the reality of their offense is going to be this year and moving forward as long as Jeff Halfley's there, two totally different things. And that's also a program making a huge jump up the overall experience ladder this year. They were very, very inexperienced last year. So that helps, and everyone else is too, but that helps them. Remember, they, unlike some others, they avoid both Miami and North Carolina out of the other side, and that could be huge. In fact, that could be what determines whether they end up finishing right behind Clemson. Uh, The way I got the rest of it stacking out is Florida State and then Wake Forest and then Louisville and Syracuse. And then over in the Coastal, this is so hard, man, because our numbers are dead even pretty much on North Carolina and Miami. We got North Carolina rated a little bit ahead of Miami. I think about a point and a quarter is what separates them. So not much difference there in terms of the perceived gap from our model. Now, I think what needs to be taken into account is that's raw model data output. And secondly, you cannot just blindly go off that because Miami, when they play North Carolina, has such a massive scheduling dynamic advantage. For those of you unfamiliar, North Carolina will be playing their seventh game in a row. Miami will be coming off 16 days rest. I mean, they play a Thursday game, then they have a bye week, then they go to North Carolina. Game is in Chapel Hill, so you get the home field, but that's a little tilt there. So I am, by the slimmest of margins, going with North Carolina to win the Atlantic. I've got Miami right behind them. Now, there are a lot of folks who want to be trendy out there who are calling Pitt to either win this division outright or, at the very least, to finish runner-up. So let's say spoil that 1-2 either way of Miami, North Carolina. I was tempted, and I'm very high on Pitt. I've got him number three in this division. Do not believe the lines of scrimmage matchup. I really don't. I do not believe the lines of scrimmage for Pitt, especially offensive line, quite matches up with what you can have with Miami and what I think you do have with North Carolina. The rest of the way in that division, by the way, I've got Georgia Tech finishing fourth. So that's the year, finally this year, where I think they break through. they got such a tough schedule. And it may be me more power rating them as the fourth in this division instead of where they're actually going to finish. But I'm going to roll with the power rating there. I'm going to put Georgia Tech fourth. I really do believe Jeff Sims and especially the slot receiver group they have to go along with Jameer Gibbs in the backfield really think they could do some things offensively this year that could keep them in games to let them maybe trade points, whereas they couldn't last year. Uh, Behind Georgia Tech, I got Virginia, then Virginia Tech, then Duke. So that's the way I round it out there. I do have Clemson winning the ACC. That's not the question at this point. The question is, is this a conference that is going to present a couple of undefeateds, let's just say, in that conference title game? And could it be a situation where the rest of the country is a mess and all of a sudden we're talking about A, the perceived inferiority of the ACC in the preseason, but then B, towards the end, could this conference get two teams in? It could be weird. If you got a weird season coming up, that is one of the most weird things that could happen. So as we've learned, don't discount weird predictions in college football. Meanwhile, out in the Pac-12, with much anticipation, I have got Oregon and Utah 
not USC, not UCLA, Utah, meeting in the Pac-12 championship game. The model spat out 10-2 and is the most likely record scenario for Oregon. That's what I'm going with. But, of course, Ohio State could very well be one of those. So that's figuring one loss in conference. And I'm looking at it, and even if that is at Washington, I still like Oregon to win this division. I'm not predicting that it is going to be Washington. That's not the way I like to do my predictions. But I am going to still take the Oregon Ducks to win the North. I'm going to take Utah to win the South. And I'll tell you what could really surprise you as you sit here in August, looking ahead to what would be a December Pac-12 championship game, the total on that one and the potential scoring that would happen in that one. And the offensive, especially in the passing game, the offensive fireworks, you just don't associate it really with Utah, but you have not associated that with either of these teams the last few years. And I think we could have it from both of them. I certainly think we could have it from Oregon. I like the potential on the top end of the passing game from Utah this year more than I believe I ever have, at least over the last decade plus. Now, I also know for those of you who are schedule hounds, you hear me say, even if Oregon were to lose to Washington, I would still like them to win the North. Well, we would hit the reset button there. Okay, so I'm having to sit here and tell you now, I think they're going to go 10-2. and And even if they do make that one conference loss, the Washington game, I still think they could win the North. Well, that obviously would require, number one, Oregon to lose no more conference games, and two, Washington to lose at least two of them, right? Because they've got to lose two in order for the tiebreaker to go Oregon's way. Here's the reason why I'm not totally sold on Washington yet. It is my belief that there's going to be a point somewhere along the pecking order of the Pac-12 this year that you have just a total hodgepodge. Now, if you're above that fray, then you're in a different little conversation. If you cannot stretch the field enough, if you cannot score consistently enough, I can't put you above that fray. My concern with Washington is they're not going to be able to elevate above that fray. The consistent wide receiver play and quarterback play is not going to be there to elevate them above that fray. Now, that doesn't mean you can't win, but it means you have such a smaller margin for error that you can get bitten. You can get bitten at Stanford, for instance. It's your second straight road game. Stanford's off a bye. That kind of stuff. You'll be favored. You should win the game, but it's just one of those weird situations where if you can't pull away and you're trying to beat someone... 26 to 19 instead of 44 to 24. It's just a different kind of game you play. And so that's why I put Washington finishing still number two in the division, the Northern Division. I don't know how we really stack it up behind that. I mean, I went Washington State number three. I went Cal number four, Stanford five, and I had Oregon State six. But that's such a crapshoot. I just don't think there's a whole lot of skill in predicting that. In the South, I went Utah number one. I've got USC finishing number two. It's a very favorable schedule for the Trojans. But listen, if this is if this is to pan out the way I'm telling you, I don't know that you maintain status quo from a coaching staff standpoint at USC. They really have to win this thing this year. I've got Utah winning it. I got Southern Cal second. I got UCLA finishing third. Very promising team for Chip Kelly and a much tougher schedule relative to their crosstown brethren, the Trojans. I don't know what to do with Arizona State. I mean, I think... It's very, very obvious there is a ton of distraction around that program. I am of the opinion this is not going to be a rallying point for this team. Now, I would love to be wrong, and we got a lot of Arizona State listeners. I just don't feel this is that kind of thing. I don't feel like this is a kind of us-against-the-world deal. I Man, I just don't feel that way. So I could be wrong, and if I've missed, I've missed badly because this is heavily weighting down my opinion of this Arizona State team. So I got them fourth. I've got uh, Colorado fifth and, and Jetfish in Arizona. 
welcome. They're going to need two years minimum to build that roster. I got them finishing last in that division. So the big question then becomes is Oregon, if I've got them as my Pac-12 champ, are they good enough to make the playoff? And that is one that I'm not really prepared to answer quite yet. We will have playoff predictions either Sunday, probably Sunday night is when I'll have the playoff predictions. So I'm totally undecided on that as of now. What I am decided on is we're just getting started with conference predictions. We're going to do the SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12 on Late Kick Live tonight. So make sure you tune in for that. Also remember, Pate State logo debuting. Pate State mascot and a logo and secondary logo and everything in between debuting tomorrow, probably in the morning. you got to make sure you're following on Twitter and on Instagram, at Late Kick Josh. And that's all I'm going to ask you to do today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you tell 10, 15, even 20 of your friends. Until next time, for Producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, and God bless.